Welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Is there anyone in the room here that has never been here before for this? Oh, good. A few. So, first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. The primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. Um, what we do here is we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week, directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery, why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work with addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So um, although it may look like I'm telling you what the book says, what I'm trying to do is show you how I find what it says to me and encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, I guarantee you we will share a spiritual experience in here tonight. You may ask me why I guarantee that. Well, because tonight we're going to have our encounter with power. So you're going to have an experience here, pleasant or unpleasant, you decide, but we are going to encounter power here tonight. And, and we call your attention to that because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. So at the point of encounter, we're going to feel something. Something is different. Something's happened in the atmospherics. And when that happens for you, I'll know, and I'll call it to your attention. And you may want to know why that means anything to you, but what it would mean to you is we, we read in every meeting about there's one who has all power, that one is? So if you're experiencing power, and I know you're experiencing power, did we not demonstrate oneness? Can we have that little act of faith? So the other thing I want to do tonight, because I got Danny waving at me, I was almost going to launch out. Every Saturday night here, because our people um, are here and not going out in the community so much in the early days. We have a recovery church open to the public, just like this is. And we encourage you this week, uh, Chaplain Harrison's gonna be there, yes? And, and normally he shares that duty with Chaplain Lee, but they both did significant time within the Arizona prison system as chaplains. And, and it's, uh, if any of you have not felt at home in a church and you wanted to rejoin a church, everyone is welcome in the recovery church. So, um, and then, then we're going to go ahead and dive in, because this is our encounter with power. So if you want to go to your book, chapter 4, page 44, those of you who are following along in a book, and you'll notice that the chapter is entitled, We Agnostics. So who's we? The first 100 or some subset of the first 100 because we're going to get the demographics here tonight, right? So, so they're going to talk to us about them, but they're not talking about necessarily us, although we may find thoughts and emotions in, in concert. Does it make sense? So we're going to start. It says in, in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. So how many of you have read this book or had someone show you this book and have learned something of alcoholism? How many of you learned a lot about alcoholism and addiction before you ever saw this book? <laughs> Did what you read in the book help clarify your experience to some degree? Because that's the point, to raise our awareness of my need for a healer and then precise instructions on where and how to find this power. Make sense? Yep. Okay, 
So it says, we hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. So have they made that distinction clear, or shall we review? Well, let's do it the way they do it. How about if we followed the book? Wouldn't that be a novel approach? If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. Is that true for you? Anybody here honestly want to stop? Had a little trouble with the stop button? Or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take. Did you have a little control? Is that what you're trying to say? So did, which of those did you discover first? You couldn't stop and stay stopped? Or you just were losing control and it was getting untenable? The answers for you are in you, so I'd like you to see, because some people think they can still stop, and then they find out when they honestly want to, they can't still stop. Any of you have that happen? And then they go, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to need help. And others have a real bad experience with loss of control that they, they didn't intend to be quite that out of control, and then they thought, man, I am not doing that again. Check me in. Anybody? Okay. So, so it says, uh, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Now, that can be a buzzkill if we have a problem with what a spiritual experience means, can't it? But is not my alcoholism, is not my drug addiction me seeking a synthetic spiritual experience? So how am I going to overcome a spiritual experience without a more significant spirit? I'm not. Because I I am dependent on spirits. So I can either remain dependent on synthetic spirits or I can come to believe in another spirit. Does it make sense? Okay. So then it says, to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. So anyone here that either came in that way or is still that way, a little indifferent, believe God can't be proven to exist or God does not exist at all? Okay, there's always some in the room. It doesn't matter. I don't need to show of hands. I... But, but to continue as he is means disaster. Can we all get a, agree on that? Regardless of my belief, whatever it is I've been doing is getting a little... Yeah? Continue? Okay. Especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Sean laughs. Why, do you, why, though, is it funny? Have you ever thought about the question? Alcoholic death, happy, joyous, and free. Pick one. Do I have to decide right away? What's that look like? I've got to sell this before I check in. Some of y'all did that, huh? I know. See, I know. Okay, but it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. So they're starting to tell us their demographics. So who is the original fellowship? The first 100. So about half of the first 100 were atheists or agnostics, declared. That's why this story is so profound, because this is really 
the profundity of an encounter with power and then a growth in consciousness of that power and ultimately a redemption that I witnessed to for a lifetime. Does that make sense? All right, so, but it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. How many of you wouldn't have maybe worded it that way, but that was your experience? It's, it's the experience of, I'm not that bad yet. I'm not like that. Any of you? Did they get harder to find after a while? Damn near impossible, huh? For some of us. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. So this isn't an encounter, not one and done. This is an entire manner of living change. And I lack the power to enact an entire manner of living change. Does it make sense? And I, I'm starting to understand that now. So perhaps it's going to be that way with you. Notice how they're not trying to convince me of anything. Who's the persuader? Alcohol, Alcohol cocaine, methamphetamine, much more persuasive forces than me. But what is persuasive is somebody once as hopeless as them who's now carrying good tidings to them about a redemption I've experienced. Yes? Okay. So, but cheer up, something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. So they separated the idea of what I think about me versus the experience of learning who I am. Does that make sense? Because the whole idea of this is to, for you to learn who you are and whose you are. And once that happens, then you'll, you'll be compelled to serve because that's who you are. Does it make sense? So they want you to know that although half of them were atheists or agnostics, they had such a profound experience, they did not remain that way. Okay? So if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. So how many of you tried a new code of morals, philosophy of life? How many of you lack the will to carry it out? Most of us, right? Some of us made a decision, I'm never doing that again, not even one, and our mind changed within hours. Perhaps I overreacted. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. Are we finding some common ground with them? How many of you really wanted to do better? Come on, everyone in this room at some point really wanted to do better could manifest no outwardly action to demonstrate that. That doesn't feel good. Who felt that? It, it's a, yeah, that's a powerlessness experience. That's what it feels to be dead and not have enough sense to lie down. Right? We could wish to be moral, we could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. So they're getting into that desperate state. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. I call your attention to what I need, why I need a synthetic spirit, is my mind and my emotions put me in a storm from time to time that doesn't serve me or any other human being. I can't get out of that thought loop, and the only way I can escape it is to medicate it. So what I need is not so much a power to stop me from doing something. I need a power that will philosophically comfort me without going outside of myself to get it. 
It's really important. Some of you felt that. Congratulations, you just encountered the power. Now let's, let's start to talk about deepening the relationship. Okay, so lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. They put that in italics, why? It's very important, but they want to call my attention. How many times was I absolutely certain it was not safe for me to pick up even one and change my mind? So this power, I went to the meeting, told you how great life was, and knew I was going out to the car to get the whatever out from under the seat. No one else like me? So it said that we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? So these guys never leave us hanging. They use the words they mean, they mean the words they say, they agreed on every word, they told us who the demographics were, half of them were atheists or agnostics, the other half were fairly religious-based people dying in their addiction. And now they've given us precise instructions on how to find power to live. Power to live would be a handy little trick to know, wouldn't it? Okay, so I want to go over to page 55 because I never like to lose, leave a room full of addicts in suspense. <laughs> and then we'll come back. Especially you meth addicts, you take the furniture apart. And... <laughs> so, so page 55, if you'll go there briefly, they're gonna tell you where and how, and then we'll go back and we'll revisit the experience. So, it says in 55, it says, actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. So where are we going looking? Is everyone in here either man, woman, or child, or some combination thereof? Okay, so we're, we're going to go looking within. And they said that we're going to find the fundamental idea of God. That's right. Sean's, Sean's keeping me on my toes. When those of you that are come, you're not convinced, you're not out of the atheist agnostic category, remember this is about coming to believe in power. So when we say God, you say power. It was practice. The fundamental idea of God, power. Okay, so, so we're going to, how many of you have an idea of power and then you have an experience of power and it changes your mind about your idea? Okay. So, goes on to tell us that it may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it's there. So this idea of God is placed within me. Where do your ideas come from? Where's the main problem of the attic center? So you're trying to put God in a sick box. This is not about you defining the creator. This is about seeking inward to find out how the creator defines you. Does that make sense? So the idea that God had was the purpose for my life. And I'm get, it's blocked sometimes, obscured by calamities, the way the world has treated me and how I've responded to the world. Pomp, because when good things happen, I did it. And when bad things happen, y'all did it. And then worships, all of us in addiction know what a worship looks like, right? We surrender everything to it, right? So those things have obscured my consciousness of this idea. 
Okay, so then it goes on to, to tell me, let's see, faith and, faith and a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. So they're calling your attention to your ability to feel, and you've already had an encounter, you have some idea of this power. How many of you have had a friend? My math addicts, you had lots of them. No one else knew, right? How'd the friend make you feel? Sometimes they had the power to enrage us. Sometimes, seemingly, they had the power, uncontrollable emotion, the butterflies. We're not telling you, God, the power is a feeling, but we are telling you that your awareness of the feeling is the power. Does that make sense? So that's how connected you are to this power. Now we're going to wake you up. Does that make sense? Okay. So we've all shared that experience. It's important that you understand. We've shared it which is why, to a person, they came to believe. All right, so it says, sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there, capital H. So we know where we're going looking. How are we going looking? Sometimes we had to search fearlessly. So it makes sense that in another step, I'm going to make a decision to do a searching and fearless moral inventory of me to find out what the pomps and worships that are obscuring my consciousness are so that I can get free of me so I'm free to be me. Exactly. Starting to make sense now? Yep. Okay. So he was as much a fact as we were. Now that doesn't sound like much to the church family, but how about to the atheist or the agnostic? Having had this encounter and begun this walk, God, power dwelling in them, is as much a fact as they are. You can prove to me you don't exist before you can prove to me God doesn't exist because I experience him all day, every day. Does that make sense? That, that doesn't mean anything to people sitting in the church, but it should mean to them that the atheists and agnostics declared had that experience, they're bearing witness to it, they were converted because of an encounter. It's pretty miraculous, right? Why aren't we telling that story? They did in this book. Okay, so we found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. Cool. So we know where and how. Well, we better go back to 45. So we're on 45 again. We're three paragraphs down, two paragraphs down. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. See why we do the meeting the way we do the meeting? This guy was a stock analyst. He laid out a case as an atheist why it's more logical to believe than not to believe based on his experience. If we just follow the roadmap he laid out, he sold millions and millions of dollars in stocks and companies based on his ability to persuade people what made sense. And he did the same thing with this book and told of his own conversion in the experience. And if we don't twist it or turn it or make shit up, we, we simply get the power of his testimony right here today. Okay. So that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. How many of you have tried to solve your problem with the mind that created it? Any of you find that you created a newer problem that was more difficult than the original problem? So 
the power will solve my problem. What is my problem? Well, the main problem centers in the mind, and it appears to be driven by fear. And I suggest to you my main problem is a lack of identity until I come to know who I am and whose I am. Okay? So, so that means we've written a book which, which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral, and it means, of course, we're going to talk about God. Oh, good move. Good. Here difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. Here's our fellowship. The program's in the book. The fellowship was named after the book, not the other way around, which is why you go to the fellowship and go, man, they don't talk about that stuff at all. I know, but don't die in your addiction because you don't want to read a book. Please. And don't let other people you love die in their addiction because you haven't read the book and tried to carry this message to them. Um, but his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. Come on, you guys got to do better than that, ain't for, for, Yeah, Mike's good at trumpeting it up. For we have reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. So among us, there's always people that got, look, I, I have a sneaking suspicion there may be something greater than me, but some of that in all of us. More of it in a few, right? So we know how he feels. Do we know how he feels? Based on experience with people, based on experience of the world. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. So if you're new or new to this experience, um, share your honest doubt and prejudice. Not the silly stuff. If you, don't, if you don't care about your recovery, it's hard for the rest of us to get too invested in it. But, it. but if you really do care and you have honest questions, ask us. We're obligated to answer. It won't even be us answering, but you'll get an answer. Um, some of us have been violently anti-religious. Anybody like that? I always like to ask when you're violently anti-religious, where does the violence come from? <laughs> Deep down inside? Isn't that interesting? I promised you an experience, and it's not always a pleasant one. And, but that's the reality, right? Okay. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. How many of you are stained, harmed by religious people? It's a shame. We're sorry that happened to you. We really are. And being glib, we're sorry that happened to you. But people are flawed. God is not. And we want you to encounter God and walk in relationship in this manner of living and see if you don't have a different experience. That's all. Um, perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. How many of you didn't like the conceptions you heard? Didn't like the way people treated and acted and the dogma that came with it? Okay. Um, with that rejection, we imagine we'd abandoned the God idea entirely. There you go. <laughs> That's good. It must be really hot or something, man. We're just not on it. So we were bothered with the thought and faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. How many of you were afraid of what other people would think of you when you declared what you were discovering, what you were coming to believe? So that's a common experience too, right? Okay. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. Then they start going inward. When they're doing their testimony, when you see a question mark, 
Remember that eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. So when they go inward, that's the time for us to go inward and ask ourselves that question. So the question they ask is, how could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? The wars, the chicanery, how could, have you ever pondered that? Okay, and then the next thing, who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Ah, interesting. The supreme being could certainly comprehend the supreme being. Hmm. Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? Another question, Mario, have you ever had that happen? You might, you just something so awe-inspiring in nature that you're almost outside of yourself. They say there was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. You, have most of you had that experience? How about, has there anyone in here ever been in a dangerous situation? <laughs> Look who I'm talking to. <laughs> Did you notice at the height of that dangerous situation, a car wreck, a gunfight, time seemed to slow down? When that happened, you experienced your consciousness. How about my athletes? Any athletes in here? Any of you ever made the perfect play, the perfect dive, the perfect catch? No doubt that you were going to make it. It seemed impossible. There's no doubt in your mind that you were going to make it. You made it. When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. Make sense? So we're, we're talking to you about a power who has held you and revealed himself to you, and you were unaware that that was happening, and so now we're going to form a relationship with this known human experience. And we're going to quit trying to put it in a box, and we're going to start trying to bring it into our, into our heart and, into, and then comprehend what has been revealed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And, and I know if it sounds a little weird to you, just remember this is the book of the first 100. There's millions have recovered as a result of this. And it's... So... Um, it goes on to tell us that, yes, we have agnostic, agnostic temperament, have had these thoughts and experiences. So the reason I went so far to get you to see if you've had them, then we're right on track, right? Rarely we've seen a person fail to thoroughly follow our path. They're going to tell us that next. But we needed to acknowledge these thoughts and experiences because we're, we want you to have a demonstration of the power because we teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without a demonstration, right? Why would I seek to improve consciousness of a thought or a conception? I wouldn't. I'd get a mental health diagnosis. <laughs> okay, so let us make haste to reassure you we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So it's not, there you go. So it's, it's not me making it up. It's their witness, half atheists or agnostics. That power is God. Once you meet the power, then do as instructed. Look at, the, look at the calamities, pomps, and worships. Learn the facts about you. Make amends for harms done. Confess to another. And then go out and serve. Be the hands and feet of the Creator. And you'll get well. Right? Okay. So much to our relief, we discovered we need, did not need to consider another's conception of God. Why do we not need to consider their conception? Because God's not a conception. None of us can fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. Right? Right? Okay. So, so our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. Now, you understand they didn't tell you to stay with your conception. 
They told you make the contact, have your experience, and then seek to improve the experience. We don't stay at the floor, and it's never an external experience. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so as soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, the spirit of, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So what do you imagine that would be? Possessed of. So there's power flowing through me that is not of me, but I am possessed of this power. I can confuse it as my power, but I've done that before and I ended up in a pickle. So this power is flowing through me, but it's not of me. But as long, if I take certain simple steps, I will know that I am possessed of this power. Does that make sense? What do you imagine those simple steps are? Yeah, I'm in two, probably three through 12. Repeat, wash and rinse, repeat, right? Because it's a manner of living, not a workbook exercise. Okay, so, so it says, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit's broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. Again, people think that that means you just pick your own conception. No, that's the floor. But we, God meets you where you are. And then, then post-encounter, if you'll do what's suggested, you'll have a deepening experience. Yeah? So this applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. So how many of you hear certain words and they just trigger you? Oh, I know what that sucker believes. Right? So what we're saying is when you become aware of your own judgment, get disciplined in that. Do not let, do not let fear rob from me a better version of me. Does that make sense? Okay. So at the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. People, people often cite God as we understood him, and they don't cite the first part, conscious relation. This is not a God of my understanding. That's not the, what they said. Number one, they're we. And number two, a conscious relation, an awareness of being aware of a power, being possessed of a power, although through me is not of me, is not a concept. You understand? Yeah. And so the whole point of this is to grow in conscious relation, to wake up. The goal of 12-step recovery is not abstinence. It's switching my dependence. I'm already dependent on spirits. Leave the world alone. Okay. So afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. Again, a beginning. And God will meet you where you are, and then your experience will deepen. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? And I have to ask people, if you're assigning a meaning to the word power because of a religious prejudice, start with cocaine, methamphetamine, fentanyl, heroin. You wouldn't have been in this room if those weren't a power greater than you. Because this ain't that fun of a club. Right? So we start where we are. Right? We end up in fellowships of recovery because alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, gambling, whatever is a power greater than us. And then we encounter power and then we realize that we have a power to live within us. Okay. So, 
As soon as a man can say he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. So we know, even if you have religious prejudice, if you come to us and say, I don't know what you're talking about, but I believe that you might be able to help me. Will you help me? You're on your way. Right? Because you've demonstrated you believe that there's a power greater than you. And we're just going to keep calling your attention to that's happening in you. Right? Okay, so it's been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. So what is this cornerstone? A willingness to believe. Humans don't of themselves possess willingness to do righteous things. But the power to do righteous things is the willingness that propels us, and we have to acknowledge that. And then, how many of you had, knew there was step work to do, but you didn't want to do it, you weren't going to pick up no matter what? And you went out, went out and just got all tore up. And then you came back and said, dude, whatever it takes, I'm doing that stuff. <laughs> that willingness came because at some time in your defeat, you admitted defeat. It's that simple. You probably thought of somebody else. You probably didn't want to put someone else through something. The minute you think of somebody else, you open a window into your consciousness and power comes in. But we could find that for you if we did your story and we'll see. All right, so that was great news to us, for we'd assume we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. So how many of you have been there? All that stuff sort of makes sense, but show me, okay? When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. Have you ever had that experience? It sounded good, it sounded desirable, but the person talking about it just... It seems like that, can't, that stuff doesn't happen for me. How about if we told you your ability to recognize it means you already possess it? But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him, so it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. You can. A simple admission of powerlessness is, is where it all starts. Okay, so... Being, besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. How many of you have found yourself handicapped by such things? I used to hear that a lot in AA rooms. I'm sensitive because I'm alcoholic. You ever heard that? I'm not sensitive because I'm alcoholic, but because I'm alcoholic, my sensitivity is killing me, which is why it would be good to grow in consciousness of who I really was so that I wasn't so sensitive. Um, anyway, many of us have been so touchy that even a casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. Yeah. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious progress, process. <laughs> Any of you describe your addiction, active addiction, as a tedious process? <laughs> How about in sobriety, but not tapped into the spirit? Any of you ever had a tedious time wrestling with the illusions of the world? That's why it's so important you have. That the fellowship is wonderful and it's community, but without the program and the fellowship, it's untenable for guys like me. So 
So we hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. Any of you there? Yeah, I got this, right? Got a 30-day medallion, dude. I got this whipped. We think there are good reasons. Let's have a look at some of them. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they're firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Does everybody believe something about electrical theory, even if you don't fully comprehend it? You can't even fully define it. Why do you believe in electrical theory? And in Sean's eloquent way, he, he describes that he has experienced the effects of electricity. Yes? So the authors are going to great lengths. This is why it's more logical to believe than not to believe. They're going to explain to you how the power came into them and what came over them, and they want to call your attention. The reason we believe in electricity, which we cannot see, is we have experienced its effects. So we already have the power of faith that's required to come to believe in the unseen. Okay? So everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance, to Sean's point? Simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Right? So you know if the room's uncomfortable, you go back and you change the thermostat. And if you paid the bill, the likelihood is you just go sit down and wait for the temperature to change. Right? That's an act of faith. We have that much faith in the unseen. Right? Okay. So everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? Walk by faith, not by sight, because science demonstrates that visual proof is the weakest proof, right? All of us are a mass of electrons whirling around at incredible speed. That's what we know. But I don't see that. I see land. It's, it's being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that out, outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To illustrate, the prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. So they're talking about Prosaic just means unimaginative. It's just it's things we see every day. So there's a steel girder that's supporting the building structure. But when I look up, I see the girder or the box around the girder. I don't see the swirling mass of electrons. But I know it to be a swirling mass of electrons. But if that's what I saw, I'd probably step over here. <laughs> yes? Because it would look a little weird. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, power, guiding, creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Yes, substitute power for that and see if that makes any sense, no matter what... It doesn't, it doesn't make any logical sense that this universe needs no power to explain it. So we'll come to believe in power first 
and then the power will inform us as to identity. Fair enough? So were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. How many of you don't like that description? Any of you just read that description and blow by it, and some of you look at I don't like that. How many of you can see that as an apt description of you in your active addiction? Means nothing, going nowhere. Any of you ever been there? Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. Then they ask a question, rather vain of us, wasn't it? What I don't want to do, because it's easy to read through all that, alpha and omega, the beginning to the end. How many of you have come to understand that you had some help in the decision-making that led you to your presence here on Earth? Did you have parents? Did they consult you prior to conception? Then there went alpha. So let's look at how many of you in your active addiction and in the life that you live subsequently have seen people die doing the very things you did? How many of you have come close yourself? How many of you have wondered why not you? So apparently you don't know anything about the Omega. How many of you have a hard time remembering decades? Just a few years. So I don't know anything about the beginning or the end, and I have big gaps in the middle. So it would be rather vain of me to think I'm all that. They want me to consider that. They're not trying to shame me. They just want me to acknowledge the obvious. Fair enough? All right. So why wouldn't I regard myself as an intelligent agent, a spearhead, a driving force of God's ever-advancing creation? Why would I not want to believe that instead of I got this shit when I know I don't? The driving force of God's ever-advancing creation, his hands and feet, informed by his power and his spirit. Why would I not want to believe that as opposed to what I obviously believed at one time? Just a question. Okay. We who have traveled this dubious path beg of you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. Do you see now why they were so... I'm talking to somebody who's dying in their addiction, but God has sent them to me or me to them. So I'm begging of you to lay aside your prejudice. Let me walk with you. When you see something or feel something, talk to me about it. Let's see if we can help you grow in this. Does it make sense? Okay. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception, whatever. How many of you never really were, had a church family, but had a recovery family, and you did notice when you were bouncing in and out, there was a few people that always came up and shook your hand. I'm not talking about the ones that were kind of not nice, but the ones that always shook your hand, knew to fill your cup only halfway because you couldn't hold it. I'm the only one that came in like that. Um, anyway... Those people had a logical idea what life was all about. They were, they were finding their faith in the fellowship of their wherever, but at least I know that. And those same people exist in churches, too. Just if you've been harmed by people in whatever 
fellowship you attended. Don't let the people define for you. Does it make sense? Okay. All right, so, so we used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness, which we should have sought ourselves. Right? Okay. So instead, we looked at the human defects of these people. Any of you relate to that? Which is why the inventory is going to reveal to me that the world has no power to cause me to feel or think a certain way. It simply reflects how I'm thinking and feeling. That those manifestations of self are my judgments of you, and I'm so familiar with your flaws because I are flawed. <laughs> okay, so, so, and sometimes we use their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. You ever, you ever had that experience where you're arguing with somebody but you're telling them not to judge you? And you realize you were judging them while you were saying it? It's tricky stuff, man. We miss the reality and the beauty of the, the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. In our personal stories, you'll find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches, approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for, for our purpose, we need not be worried. They are questions for each individual to settle for himself. So for my more religious folks, don't get in a knot that we're going to let God do his thing without me telling them how. Because he who has begun a good work in them will see it to completion. It doesn't require my participation. Make sense? I always have to speak to both sides of the room, Lance, because... All right, so, um, so I'm going to jump over to page 53. And in the middle of that page, they say, when we became alcoholics... When do we become alcoholics? How many of you are bothered by calling yourself an alcoholic? People have misunderstood the teaching here for years, and I want to help you see it. When we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis we could not postpone or evade, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he's nothing. God either is or he isn't. What's our choice to be? I don't become an alcoholic in any meaningful way till I'm standing before you bearing witness to the power to restore that animates me. So when I tell you I'm Joe, I'm an alcoholic, I'm not telling you of a present condition. I'm telling you of a hopeless condition from which I have been redeemed. It's not unlike, biblically, if any of you are scholars, Matthew was Levi. And he identifies as Matthew, an apostle of Christ. He also lets you know he's a tax collector. Because... A, he needed to demonstrate that he had been redeemed from that condition. So, okay. So arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. Look at how they capitalized bridge of reason. How many of you have thought, well, I sure am glad I thought about going in there and sobering up.
Why didn't I think about that, you know, three houses ago? <laughs> it, wasn't until I, it wasn't until I encountered the Bridge of Reason, capital B, capital R, that led me to the shore of faith. Did I actually have any idea of what had happened to me, what had happened for me, and what my rest of my thing looks like, right? Okay. All right, so, so the outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. How many of you can remember being tore up from the floor up and walking into your first meeting and everyone's happy and you're like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> so they're, they're all this and you're like, I hope no one sees me that knows me. <laughs> Friendly hands had stretched out and welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far Reason is capitalized, folks. I think I do things I didn't do nothing. Long before I ever encountered AA, I encountered God. He revealed himself to me, and I started being brought forward. We, we were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Any of you get to the point, well, that all sounds reasonable, but no. Happy, joyous, and free, alcoholic death. Let me get back to you. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile. We did not like to lose our support. How many of you have had to take a leap of faith in other areas of your life? Do you realize you needed a little of your own will to do that? You, you just weren't sure, but you just had to step out? Okay, well, that's, that's what we confront in addiction. That's what we confront with everything in life. You're going to get to step out just a little more all the time and increase. As long as you're feeding the power to live, you'll have less interest in that power that's trying to kill you. Those worldly things, you'll just, they won't be as entertaining. Okay, so that was natural, but let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? Even if I had no idea what faith meant or nothing, I came to recovery rooms because somebody said it worked. I didn't know what worked, and I don't know why it worked. I just sat in a room, people talked about whatever they talked about, weird shit, and they ate cake. It's cool. I'm, I'm, right? Whatever. It wasn't something I aspired to from youth, is my point. I was brought there. Okay, for did we not believe in our own reasoning? Do you believe in your own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? course we do, right? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. So at any given time, I was always known. The problem was I didn't know. Does it make sense? And that's what the discovery looks like. Let's, let's jump from there over to page 56, because we're going to run out of time, and, and we're going to read the story of a guy who is a minister's son and, and get past that, and you'll hear his encounter. Um, our friend was a minister's son. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. Any of you had that experience? Okay. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration, business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide, those calamities and his immediate family embittered and depressed him post-war disillusionment 
ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to a point of self-destruction. Can you relate to him even if you hadn't been to war and then just got to a point of self-destruction? Okay, and, and he's now aware of this point of self-destruction. One night when confined in a hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. See the distinction? Okay. Our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. So the man came lovingly to him to introduce him to the good news, and he was so appalled by it because of the experience and the prejudice, he said, he said, if there is a God, he hasn't done anything for me. Look where I am. So the guy said, okay, chill. I'll come back another time. So, but later, alone in his room, he asked himself this question. Is it possible that all the religious people I've known are wrong? How many of you have asked yourself a question after an unpleasant encounter and then felt a conviction within you? Okay. While pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Uh-oh, what have I done? Any of you relate to that? Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? Wow. What would you do if that screamed at you in your head? You want to see what he did? This man recounts that he tumbled out of his bed to his knees. See, that wasn't a concept, folks. That, that was an experience of the Spirit speaking to him profoundly. Right? Where were you when I measured the foundations of the earth? Stand there and listen to me. We think that's an antiquity. No, this happened just in the last century. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by the conviction of the presence of God. Capital P. Yeah, we know it, that conviction, that presence, he'll tell you about it. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. The barriers he had built through years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He had stepped from bridge to shore. Upon your encounter, you step from bridge of reason to shore of faith based on the experience. Deep down inside, the fundamental idea of God, the purpose, the minute I discover the purpose, the power to carry it out is immediately behind it. Does that make sense? And then it said, for the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator, aware that he was aware that his creator was within him and with him. This guy sobered up. He didn't drink again. He went to the Second World War, remained sober. Because of this encounter, even though he had all that prejudice, so there's hope for all of us. And... Uh, Thanks for coming. We'll talk about three next week. <laughs> <laughs>